Hello and welcome to episode 33, the big free free, all the frees 33 of the Damned United podcast. I'm Billy Lumsden. And I'm Adam Jameson. And we're back after a bit of an extended period. Um, let's let's call it that. We're both well. That is the main thing. Everything is good. Leeds United are unbeaten still in six after a win, a 1-0 win over Norwich and a 1-1 draw against Plymouth. So perhaps not the two wins that we'd signposted before we uh, recorded for Norwich, but nonetheless, a win in the league, the most important thing, and a dreaded replay at Plymouth to come next Tuesday as we're recording this on the 30th of January. So, Ads, how are you doing? How have you been? All good, thank you. Um, just been for a little 8K run, feeling a bit tight-chested, so I might need a bit of the old clop inhaler. But uh, I'm sure I'll be fine for the next uh, 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> Beautiful. That's what we love to hear. That is what we love to hear. Where do you want to start? Obviously, we've got quite a lot to unpick. Transfers, a couple of matches, a preview of a trip to Bristol City to come. Should we start and go back in time to Norwich last yeah. Wednesday? Tough league game. <clears throat> Obviously, we discussed going into it that they'd beaten... West Brom, they'd beaten Hull away from home and they'd also drawn with Southampton while, I believe, drawing in the cup with Bristol Rovers and then subsequently beating them. So they were unbeaten in five going into it. And as we said, they were going to be a bit of a different proposition to other teams that we'd faced and also to the team that we faced earlier on in the season that did cause us a few threats. Obviously, we won that game 3-2. But... They had Josh Sargent back and they had a couple of decent players that, that caused us a few problems on the night and it wasn't an easy um, outing all in all. It was an important three points where we won ugly and uh, you know, there's no doubt that we deserved to win the game but it was still a bit of an ugly win certainly at times in that second half around 45 to 60, 65 minutes. Norwich were passing the ball all over the place. Granted, they weren't threatening too much, but we were sat back and we were almost in that bit of a deep block, which uh, I think fans were getting a bit frustrated by, but nonetheless managed to hold on to a really important 1-0 victory. Absolutely, and it's it's one of those wins that if you do get promoted at the end of the season, it's one of those wins where you you look back on and you think, you know, they're, they're the moments where where you, you earn the right to promotion, really, where you, you grind out a result against a decent opposition uh, where, the, where the game could have quite easily swung um, and ended in a draw or a loss. So maybe not a loss so much in that game. I, th- I do think we merited the win, but you know you could have quite easily seen Norwich nicking a point in that game. Sim- similar to the Preston game, really. I think that's two home performances where you know we've had some fantastic home performances this year where we've taking teams to the cleaners but those last two games in the league at home against Preston and, and Norwich you know we've, we've really had to grind a result out and hang in there and, and stay together and you know we've, we've got our reward in that in that Norwich game and overall I thought I thought we deserve you know we, we, we deserve to win the game but it was it was just it was nice to see us win in a different way at home if that makes sense um, I feel like some of the other some of the other games earlier on in the season where we've we've won by just one goal, you know, there've been games where we've actually we, we should have been winning a lot more comfortably. But both those games against Preston and Norwich, I felt that, you know, we we, we really had to to grind that out. 
Yeah, I would agree with you on that front as well. And the stats, as you say, we merited the win and the stats certainly back us up in that section as well. 12 shots, four of those on target and restricted Norwich to just five shots, one of which was on target, a total XG of, of 0.43 and probably their biggest chance of the, of the night fell just before the break. I'm not sure who it was who had the chance, but there was a ball flashed across goal. Should really have done better with a chance, just skewed it wide uh, from about six to eight yards. So, yeah, we got let off a bit in, in that sense, but overall, another clean sheet, which is positive. Rodon Ampadu at the back. So, yeah, very, very pleasing. Archie Gray on top form as well. So, you know, it was nice to see that we had some well-rounded performances. Dan James with another assist for Patrick Bamford, four in five. What a header. Yeah, fantastic. He's He looks like a... A striker who's enjoying his football at the moment, and it's it's nice to see. And we we know we know he's capable of, of scoring these goals. He's he's he can score lots of different types of goals with Bamford. I think it's easy to forget some of the quality of, of goals that he scored in that Championship winning season and in the first season back in the Premier League. So we we it's easy to forget, but he is he is certainly capable of of, of scoring different types of goals and. Um, it's nice to see us. It's nice to see him scoring headers. Um, I think it gives us an outlet that I don't think we necessarily have uh, without him in the team. And it, I think we've 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 set up slightly differently when Bamford's been playing up front, and it gives us more of an outlet from 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 crossing balls. And and when you contrast that back to the very start of the season when uh, we were struggling. To, to pick up performances, I think one of the one of the criticisms we had of the team was that yeah we might have a lot of possession of the ball, but teams are just letting us play out wide and, and cross it in the box because they know they can deal with it. Well now now we've got Bamford back in the team and he's much more of a presence up front. He's posing a, a threat to teams and, and and giving us that outlet from from crosses and, and playing balls in. So things are things are ticking along nicely, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Of course, we run the poll after we discussed <clears throat> what our best slash ideal League United back four would be. Um, there were a few in there that were obviously mixed in with one another, whether it was the Byram and Gray at right back debate, Ampadu slotting in at, at centre half, or Strike coming back in with then obviously Furpo or Byram again at left back. And it was very, very mixed, all of which had, you know, 19% or above on the votes, four votes available. Byram, Ampadu, Rodon and Firpo was second on 27%. And Byram, Stroik, Rodon and Firpo was the top performer with 35% of votes. So this was well over 60 votes that we had. So thanks very much for you all getting involved and having your say because it was a very interesting debate that me and Ads had last week on this and it certainly showed within the uh, the voting as well. So what were your thoughts on that, Ads? Byram, Strike, Rodon and Firpo. Byram, Strike, yeah, okay. Um, I'd probably agree with it, to be honest. Um, I think we've been, we've certainly looked a more balanced team defensively when Byram's in the team and when Byram's playing at fullback for me. Firpo, Looks like a footballer, um, so that's good. Uh, for the first time in his in his United career, he's he's starting to look like a, a fully functioning 
professional football player, which is is fantastic. Um, I'm probably being a bit harsh there, but um, yeah, he's had a resurgence and and that's great to see. So I think at the moment he, he warrants his place in the side at left back. And then yeah, Shrike and Rodon for me still got to be the the, the centre back pairing. I know Ampadu's come in and he's he's looked pretty unfazed by by dropping in at centre half, but. I feel that that Strike once fit will 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 come back in. Uh, you got to remember Strike's been uh, captain at a few on a few occasions so far this season. So you know, don't don't forget that he's an influential player and he's yeah. one of our leaders on the pitch. So Spark uh, certainly values him, or certainly seems to value him and his presence within the side as well, which is positive from his perspective. And you know, this was obviously pre Norwich. Post Norwich was probably a different argument in itself, with Archie Gray probably being one of the players of the match, certainly for Leeds in that right back role. Again, people have doubts on whether he can play that or whether he can't. He seems to be, I wouldn't say very hit and miss. I'd say he probably has more consistently good games than than the odd bad one, which I think is you know fair, especially when he's playing out of position. But I think it's nice to be in a position where you know, you can depend on Archie Gray. And I think that's the right word at that right-back position. He'll give his all. He'll go in full heart and full throttle to tackles. And he'll try and do his very best and muck in for the side. And also when Byram does come back, it'll be, in, well, he is back, of course, now. But again, going forward, it's probably going to be hard to, to drop Gray unless his injury is more serious than thought. Hopefully it isn't and he can he can play on Friday. But again, it's an interesting and, and a nice position to be in in terms of Byram, the strike, the road on debate with Ampadu, but then also the fact that if we do have that back four of Byram, strike, road on and Furpo, then it suddenly makes that choice in midfield that extra bit difficult as well, which is a great position for us to be in as well, obviously with Kamara doing okay, probably flying a bit under the radar with his performances. Um, not, I wouldn't say he's gone off the boil because he's he's been relatively average, but whoever's come to the fort and then obviously you've got Ampadu and, and Gray that formed that partnership right earlier on in the season as well so it's an interesting debate as to kind of that almost back six if you want to call it that yeah and linking to the, the transfer window and the the lack of activity I think probably possibly one of the reasons that that we've not gone out into the market and and brought in players that that seemingly are obvious places that we need to strengthen is because we've we have got bodies. Um, it's just we've got them all kind of in one position, and um, if if certain injuries happen, then we're you know very light on the ground in in fullback positions. So there are bodies there. It's just that not necessarily got the depth in certain positions so yeah I think it is interesting it's nice it's nice that we've got some some positive headaches in that there's 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 some decisions to be made regarding uh, regarding the starting 11 when when everyone's fit so yeah it's it's good to see um still you mentioned about actually Gray. I still think I still have my, my, my question marks over him at right back you know, we look look at the fixture list and um, you know think about games when he's going to come up against some some slightly better wingers. I, I do I, I do worry a little bit. Um, it's all right when we're playing mid to low, lower table 
teams that, that maybe don't pose as much of a threat in, in wide positions. But I think when we're playing teams that have got particularly tricky wingers, I think that's when he potentially might struggle a bit. Having said that, there has been games where he's done perfectly fine. So, yeah, we'll see. We will see indeed. One of the questions that we had, one of Ben's many questions that he had while we're on the topic of, of Norwich, because this was one of the games where Fark was pretty stubborn with his tactics again. Obviously, aside from the straight swap for Anthony for James at halftime, which was, of course, due to an injury. But Ben's question was, why is Fark leaving it so last minute to make his subs? This is a good question. It's a good question. and I'd have to agree with it. I think... He seems quite a conservative manager in that sense that he's he's quite happy to just see how games go and especially when even in games where you're wanting him to make substitutions and you're thinking, is he leaving this a bit late? Even in those games, on the whole, we, you know, we're not we're not really on the back foot in many games. You know, it's not like there's many games where teams are are outplaying us or putting us on the back foot or, or really really causing us too many issues I think it's more in most games it, it's a sense where we're maybe not playing as well as what we could do or we're not using the ball as effectively as what we could do it's not like we're we're getting overrun or anything like that so I think he's maybe just kind of letting the game uh, flow out and, and giving the players on the pitch to come up with the, the solutions to uh, to the game and, and 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 come up with with answers for why uh, we're maybe not leading in certain games or or, or putting games to bed. So yeah, I, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword because I think you can often do things and you know make substitutions that don't affect the game equally and. You know, obviously, Fark's been very guilty of doing that at times and people have been like, what? And literally, collectively, you can hear people in the crowd that are saying, what on earth? Why is he Why is he collectively groaning as to kind of why he's made certain substitutions? And then you've obviously got the flip of the coin that's saying, you know, maybe he's not making the right substitution at certain right periods as well. You know, the Norwich game was a prime example where, as I mentioned, 45 to 60 slash 65 minutes we were pretty overrun. We were in a deep block defending against the Norwich side that we'd absolutely smashed in the first half. Um, and don't get me wrong, we had plenty of chances to kill the game thereafter, but he hadn't made any changes to do that. So, you know, you've got a nice example of potentially a period in which he could have made a substitution at the 60-65 minute mark, didn't. And we actually ended up seeing the game out in relatively comfortable fashion. You know, you look at the XG of 0.43, they didn't create an awful lot. I think it was, they. although they had, let me have a look for you now, in the second half, they had 56% of the ball, which, you know, is a fair bit for us, considering, a fair hammering for us, considering we're a team that usually has a lot of the ball. They had one attempt, zero on target, and an XG of 0.04 in that second half. So mm-hmm. as much as they dominated, as I mentioned earlier, they didn't create an awful lot. We almost yeah. withheld that spell weathered the storm and then managed to see the game out while having, you know, it must have been three or four chances to kill the game and not just half chances, pretty decent chances to kill the game. So that's a fine example of, you know, not making the substitutions and it working when in actual fact, potentially the right decision was 
to go and make those substitutions. You know, James, Anthony came on for James and then he made, obviously, those three successive substitutions on the 94th minute onwards. So, you know, it's a nice example of that working and, you know, allowing us to kind of see the bigger picture of it as well. Because I think everyone would have liked him to make a change. But again, in actual fact, it worked quite well in the way that he didn't. Yeah, and to to kind of defend Fart there a little bit, he with the Norwich game, people would have been saying, "Is he not? Is he not like a sub? Is he not going to change it under the cosh?" When you actually break it down and look at the stats, yeah, they, they had a lot of possession in that that kind of twenty thirty minute period, but didn't do anything with it. And you know, looking on at the game, you were kind of thinking, "Well, you know, they've got the ball here, but we look pretty solid and comfortable. We don't, we don't look." We don't look uncomfortable, you know, defending in our own third. So, and as you say, they only had, they actually had one shot in the second half. So, I think, yeah, sometimes if if a if it's broken, you know, they fix it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> you bang on the, you bang on, and again, you know, as much as we're mourning. Um, well, not morning, but it was a good question, and you know we've we've dissected that, and I think it, people are right to have that opinion. You know, there's plenty of times where it hasn't worked this season, <clears throat> but Norwich was definitely one of the games where I think it did work, and the fact that he didn't make a change did actually enable those players to get over the line, but also relatively comfortably after those that 60 to 65 minute period. You know, we looked like killing the game off; we just couldn't. So. Yeah, good answers to that question. So that was Norwich. Very good three points. It allowed us to move, I believe, two points closer to Ipswich before their game. No, it wasn't before their game with Leicester. It was. Oh, we are still two points off Ipswich. Yeah. This was, of course, after exactly. Ipswich exactly. got yeah. a point um, at Leicester. So, yeah, two points off. We'll touch on the fact that we can go into the automatics yet yeah, hold your breath we can actually go into the automatic places <laughs> would you believe it uh, hold your breath. grab your inhaler <laughs> <laughs> but first off we have Plymouth which we won't uh, mention in too much detail of course it, it was a 1-1 game at home to Ellen Road a replay we you know let's make no bones about it we could have really done without two trips to Plymouth in February. But Anthony was one of the positive stories uh, from that display. A great all-round performance, brilliantly taken goal from, from out wide on the left and a lovely tribute to his mother, Donna, as well. So that was a really nice story to come out of the afternoon and his afternoon at, at Ellen Road. Not sure about the booking that he picked up for it, but of course it's within the rules, annoyingly. So, but yeah, very, very happy for him. You know, it was a nice performance, good performance for him. It's something that he needed. Um, and yeah, great to showcase that for his, his mum and, and respect her in that way as well, which was nice and it got a great ovation for that Ellen Road as well. Of course, we couldn't see the game out, but yeah, quick thoughts on this, Ads? Just... A bit annoying, really, wasn't it? That that we that we didn't manage to see it out. I said to I, I listened to it on the radio this week, and um, I said to Amy on about sixty sixty five minutes. I said this screams of a Plymouth equaliser and a and a replay trip down to Plymouth, and that's exactly what ended up happening. So for me, 
I, I really would just send their kids, but I don't think they'll do that. Um, and to put a more positive spin on it, I'd rather be slipping up in the cup than in the league. Um, yeah, if we're going to slip up and draw a game, um, you know, in this kind of bunch of games that we're in at the moment, you'd pick that one any day. And hopefully the players will just learn, you know, they need to put games to bed. And maybe that's that little reminder that they needed off the back of a fantastic start to the calendar year. Yeah, I think this is this is the annoying factor about it again for me, though. We could really have done without that trip to Plymouth. You know, I don't think we will send the kids. You've just said that yourself. It's an extra game absolutely miles away that we really didn't need in what is an already horrendous month for travelling. I know we'll mention this shortly because we've got a couple of questions for it, but February is a hugely important month for us now because Southampton have got a relatively good run of fixtures I think their next three are pretty decent we've got a lot of air miles to travel and we really need to stay in touch with them across February because Southampton's fixtures turn pretty badly whereas ours turn pretty pretty nicely in March so you know we're coming to the business end of the season if we can get through this month unscathed then I think we are in a really strong position to challenge for that top two spot but it goes back to the fact again killing games off that first half, I've got the stats here as well. 72% possession. Possession doesn't win you games, as you know, Mr. Jameson, but chances do. 10 attempts at goal, five of which on target, and an XG of 0.67. So not a sky high, not uh, 0.67 XG, but certainly suggests that we should really have taken more of those chances in the first half. And, you know, even if we get one more of those, we're going to the break 2 0. The game isn't done, but by the same token, Plymouth says it down and we should really see the game out from that position. So I think that is, again, one of the most frustrating aspects of me not being able to kill the game off. I know we've said it at times, we've been clinical when we have done it, but we haven't done it enough for me over the course of the season. And again, it's a, it's a game that we could have really done without that I think, I don't think it will cost us, but I think, you know, it's it's certainly something that could potentially do that. You know, if... If results don't go our way in the next three or four games, then you've got to look at this result and think mm, it's one that could potentially uh, cause us a bit of mischief. Yeah, yeah. there is there's part of me that thinks all that and, and agrees with you and can understand why people think that. But then there's another part of me who just thinks they're a bunch of professional footballers. They're paid to play football, and we, sh- we really shouldn't be be moaning about an extra game or two. Um, the play the players should be comfortable playing uh, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, um, Wednesday, Saturday, whatever it is. The, you know, the, the, this is their job. Do your job. Do your job, Gary. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to prompt you there. I was just really glad that that came out because uh, I knew that's their job was going to uh, get quoted. So very glad we've got at least one impression in across the, the podcast. <laughs> very nicely done. Yeah, I, I agree. I've had that stance with you before. I just, in an already torrid month for us, Bristol, Plymouth and Swansea, I just didn't, I don't, I, I didn't, I don't think we needed it, to be honest. And again, that's how football goes sometimes. Southampton also had a replay. Oh, I'm going to have a replay for the record. They will host Watford at home. So a bit of an easier fixture, but an extra one in their calendar as well, which I think is it might be important for us as well. 
Yeah, let's just hope the players have got plenty, plenty of games they can play on the back of the coach because there's there's plenty of hours travelling this month or this month coming. They're probably flying though, aren't they? Um, in which case, crack on and get on with it. It's uh, it's funny you mentioned that. We did have a message from Phil. Um, his ex username is at Scooby Phil. So uh, thanks for getting in touch. Um, the quote marks team bus has a lot of miles to cover over the next few weeks. Are any wheels going to come off? Oof, that's a fantastic one. Well, has he had his MOT? Has he had his MOT in the January transfer window? <laughs> I'm not sure. The way, the way our January transfer window's gone, I'm not sure it will have done, to be fair, mate. Yeah, it's, it's a cracking question. But, yeah, there is there is that always that worry when, you know, a point away from... All I'll say is none, none of the games are in London, are they? So... That's, that's when I start to get worried. That's the, that's the difference. That's the difference. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think we should um, definitely, you know, we're coming into February now, so I think it'd be nice for us to obviously avoid in Plymouth and then the potential of Chelsea and Villa away, Chelsea or Villa away. I think we should definitely look at getting a, a poll out of the fixtures in question and the points of and how much we actually think we'll come away with it because... As we said, it's a pretty tough month and it's pretty hard to dissect as well in terms of just how well we think we're going to do. I, I don't think the wheels will fall off. Obviously, I think the travelling could catch up. We like it like it could with anyone. You know, when you're playing midweek to Saturday and you're travelling a lot, it is naturally going to take a bit of a toll on you. But we've got a big enough squad currently. I think, I think we still need a few additions. Of course, we can come on to that. But you're looking at Bristol, you're looking at Plymouth, you're looking at Swansea. Bristol, I think, out of those is the toughest game. Plymouth and Swansea, I think, are definitely beatable, especially if we turn up 100%. Swansea, Swansea, horrendous. I've seen them a few times recently, and teams have absolutely dismantled them. I think they were 5-0 down to Bournemouth uh, the other day at half-time in the FA Cup. So, yeah, I think they're definitely beatable, and Plymouth might be a bit of a sterner test than, than Swansea, but I think out of those nine games, I'd be looking at potentially six points, if not more. So... Yeah, I don't see the wheels falling off. Again, it's Leeds United, so you never really know what's going to happen. But I, I'm quietly confident about February. What about yourself? Yeah, and there's also a case for we're in good form, we've got momentum. And when you're in good form, you just want to get into the next game and, and, and keep that going and keep that rhythm. So I think a win on a win on Friday against Bristol had... I think it'd really um, position us nicely going into February and uh, and kind of boxing them games off and just trying to fly through them. I think you know, like you said, we've we've got the squad. We've I think we've been pretty lucky so far with injuries. We've not touch wood, cross your fingers and legs. We've we've not really had any major injuries so far this season. So. Yeah, fingers crossed we can we can get through this period. But I'm 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 pretty confident. I'm pretty confident coming into this this kind of before three weeks. Yeah, period. so before before we get into Bristol in a, in a slight bit more detail, let's talk on January transfers because you said there, you know, we haven't got any injuries yet. Obviously we we failed to mention that Gray might be out 
James might be a couple more weeks and then of course Rodon uh, which seemed a bit bit like a dead leg I think it was or it might have been Graves that was a dead leg but three big players for us who've had a significant impact on our performance this season take their injuries out of it and say they're fully fit we still need three or four more bodies in right if not in our actual starting 11 or sniffing in and around it then more for just depth than anything because we're letting seems like we're letting everyone go at the minute I don't it doesn't look like Cresswell's going yet but obviously Leo has gone Hegel Helder however you'd like to pronounce his name <laughs> however like th- there's there's a fair few bodies that have gone out and it like Aileen of course as well so a lot in the defensive region where we've been crying out for and it seems like we were just letting all the teams pass us by Hull have beaten us to two signings Cavallio and Giles David Brooks more recently going to Southampton he was brilliant against Swansea I think he set up three and scored one so Again, like these are players that could really have a significant impact on our season in a positive way and a massively increased amount of depth as well, which is important in this league. So how do you see the, I mean, the final day or two unfolding? Because let's be honest, we don't have much time left. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything's going to happen, does it? It is disappointing. Um, <clears throat> it is disappointing that... For me, we 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 massively needed a, a full back and a and an attacking midfielder. Uh, so it is disappointing that that we've not been able to to bring some people in. On the other hand, would would Fark really be be sat there saying he was happy with his squad if he if he really really felt that he needed some players? I'm not too not too sure. I guess the problem we've got is we've we've got a pretty a pretty set 14, 15, 16 players now. And to bring someone in that, that is an improvement on that, I think they have to be a significant improvement on on what we've got in that 15, 16. And that isn't easy to come by when, when you're trying to look at bringing players in at the top of championship. So we're almost victims of our own success in that We've had such a good season so far. It is difficult in the January transfer window to to improve on your starting eleven um, and bringing players and, and 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 quality that's going to improve your starting eleven. And this time of the year, especially with the Euros coming up, players that are going for moves are going for moves because they want they want playing time. And if you can't offer that at this stage in the season when you've got what have we got? Is it eight, 17 games left? Yeah. Uh, 17 games to go in the season. And when you think about betting players in, that, you know, that's going to take a couple of weeks. So that gives you, you know, 14, 15 games for, for a player who signs this week. And if you're saying to them, actually, you, you know, you're not, you're not guaranteed to start. You, you're looking at like, 10 performances, uh, 10 appearances at best. So is anyone yeah. going to really want to move for that? So I think, I think there's, there's a whole, there's a few different factors, I think, explaining why we've maybe not done business. And for me, if, if Fark was desperate and was banging on the boardroom door saying, I need someone in this position, I think would have gone out and done it. But I think he's obviously relatively happy with, with what he's got in that, that that fifteen sixteen man um, group and 
and yeah, if 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 the worst was to happen, we had suspensions, injuries, we're just gonna have to dip into um, the reserves of players that we've got, and and it's it's an opportunity for players if it comes along. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think you know, hopefully, it doesn't come to that, and you know, it is a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a bit of a risk as well because we really don't want to be delving too far into the into the U for Shackleton, for example, to really look at doing a job. Certainly, once it gets into that uh, busy part of the season, as we're pretty much there now, to be honest. But yeah, it's it's a hard one for me because I feel like we're still a, a fullback short, potentially a centre half short, a number ten short, and maybe even a striker short. So. Again, it's hard to say because we we have got a strong start in eleven. I think very similar to kind of Liverpool in years gone by, almost like a, a bit of a B Tech version though. So you've got a, a decent Championship starting eleven. However, if players start getting injured from that starting eleven, then you are struggling for a bit, and it is a noticeable difference with the player that comes in and 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 picks up a shirt or, or wears the shirt. So I think that's the big worry for me. Um, I'm hoping that you know as we're speaking. They are pretty much plotting a deadline day to remember. Don't go to bed just yet. Times a million, let's hope. So, and not just a, a picture of a fish and chips. So, I mean, I'd kill some fish and chips right now, to be honest. But anyway, I think we'll get one or two tomorrow. I really think and hope. But let's see. We'll see. Whether... It'll, ne- it'll never top the uh, transfer deadline day where we got insight into what. Neil Warnock was watching on TV. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> Honestly, the less said the better about that. It's just comical. It is comical. We don't perform very well on deadline day, so let's hope it's uh, something a bit different tomorrow. But I've, I've got a message for Daniel Fark, actually. Um, I've been injured um, for a little while. I've got my first ASI game on Sunday after... After a year-long journey back from from a knee injury, although I've been absolutely fine for about eight months, um, so if he needs a full-back, if he needs an attacking right-back, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get a kit in the sale anyway. So if he needs me to come up to Thorp Archie and strut my stuff, then I'm more than happy to. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do it on as a, a, a pay-as-you-play contract, no problem. Mate, I'd love to see you in a lead shirt. To be honest, <laughs> marauding right back. A bit unfit, but he'll get there. <laughs> I can't remember. You know, just what the doctor ordered, isn't it? So let's hope he does. Um, or let's hope we do get a, a full-back of sort. Or anyone. Just sign anyone, please. Yeah, just sign some players at this stage. Let's see, let's see how we get on. Um, a quick nod to Bristol City, because they do deserve that. They obviously welcome us to Ashton Gate on Friday. They're currently sitting in 13th place. They were, I mean, to be honest, they still are vying for a playoff spot. Anywhere around there is is pretty much playoffs. You've got a four-point gap between Cardiff in 14th on 37 points and Plymouth on 33 and 15. And then you're probably looking down towards the, the bottom as those sides are 33 to, to 25. So an eight-point gap to the bottom, whereas Bristol City and Cardiff both on 37 points, actually only six points off the playoffs. And interestingly, Coventry, who are occupying the playoff spots at the minute, welcome Bristol City tonight. So be interesting to see how that one goes, because if Bristol City can pick up a win, take some three points off the playoffs going into Friday. So an interesting one. They're not a bad side. Certainly West Ham know that more than most recently. And 
the league form hasn't been great. They haven't won in four in the league. Drew with Birmingham, lost to Millwall, lost to Preston, and lost uh, and drew one all with Watford in their last league outing. But of course, in between those games, they've drawn away at West Ham, beat West Ham at home, and drawn nil nil with Nottingham Forest. So, whatever happens with them, both in the league and the FA Cup, they're not conceding a lot of goals. They're running a tight ship and they seem to be having some decent performance against Premier League outfits, of course, raising the game in the cup, but not doing so well in the league, as I said, winless in four. Yeah, and I think that will hopefully mean that they'll they'll come out a little bit and they'll be after a win on on uh, on Friday night rather than kind of uh, settling for a draw, which, you know... You, you couldn't really accuse a mid-table team like that um, for being too far play if they if they were to kind of settle for a draw at home against a team like us who are banging form um, chasing the promotion spots. So I'd like to think that they'll 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 come out and and, and give it a good shot at, at trying to get the three points. They'll want to get the league form uh, back on track. Um, yeah, I I thought they were a good. Not not a bad outfit when they came to Ellen Road. Um, kind of very very well structured. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we get on. I just hope we uh, can repeat first day of the season uh, in the oh, championship. He's a magician and he's just conjured up another trick. What what I'm thinking is when Hernandez scored that goal, instantly I thought we're doing it. We're doing it this season. We're absolutely <laughs> doing it. So I'm hoping we have a moment of magic uh, from someone. Fingers crossed. On, on the Friday only, uh, yeah. I was going to say, like, like Pablo himself at Swansea as well, the only uh, dilemma we have in that respect is that there is, unfortunately, no Pablo now. So yeah. hopefully someone else can conjure up a trick or two, hopefully Rutter or even Bamford. Who knows? Let's yeah, see. Someone, but, someone to step up and, and make me feel that feeling again where I think, yes, we're doing it. And we've got a decent yeah. record down there, to be fair. Yeah, we do. We do. Fingers crossed we can pick up all three points. One player who we'll be hoping that we don't is Tommy Conway, a fellow Scott, only 21-year-old, and he certainly gave, uh, given West Ham a torrid time in the FA Cup, scored in both the first leg, if you call it, and then the replay. Four goals in his last 10, six for the season. As I said, Bristol City don't score an awful lot of goals, but he will certainly be one to watch in that number nine position, whether it be for Roden and Ampadu in the back four as well. So I think in keeping quiet, very similar to kind of a lot of the players in this league that have that lone striker as such, if we can keep him quiet, then hopefully we can restrict them relatively well and potentially keep another clean sheet and allow our strikers to do the business. But... Won't be as easy as that. Never, football yeah. never is. But and is it certainly to watch for us? Is it Scott Twine as well? Is he? He finished alone. Was it? Yeah. Was no. It well, hole? I think he was. Um, I think is he's it a hole in him. Yeah. He he was at Bristol City. I mean, he is at Bristol City now. Let me just find. I out. I think he was at Hull and I think he was doing all right. They've got a very British team, haven't they? Yeah, they do. They're from a Brexit side. <laughs> Brexit. Yeah, Allardyce in charge. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so he's he's playing at Bristol City on loan at the minute. Um, didn't score at the weekend against Hull, but oh no, he did. Sorry, he scored he scored at the weekend against Watford. I knew yeah. he had. It was um, last weekend, so their last last game in the league against Watford, he scored. Yeah, because he was at Burnley, I believe. I think Burnley signed him uh, when he went up into the Prem, but he mm-hmm. hasn't obviously played as much. So he's he's gone on loan to to Bristol City. So yeah, interested to see whether he starts and plays later on in the week. Again, another problem for us to deal with, but hopefully we can come away with it with three points and. And I'd take a happily a gritty performance like we beat them at Ellen Road. I think it was 2-1 earlier on in the season. That was a very similar performance. So might have to yeah. roll our sleeves up, but hopefully that's something that we can do effectively. Team-wise, what are you thinking? Obviously, a few injuries uh, to contend with, but what are you thinking in terms of that starting eleven? Yeah, it's, it's difficult without knowing the, um, the extent to which we've got injury issues, but um, I'd imagine Furpo comes back in uh, at left back uh, and maybe Byron shifts across to right back maybe um, yeah I think I think similar as well I don't I don't know whether Gray will be risked uh, risks risked I don't think Gray will be risked so I would probably say that that actual back four minor strike that we said was potentially one of the best so Byron Rodon and Padu and Furpo could be what we've go with in the end. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like strikes anywhere near being back fit. Um, Coops, bless him, I think he needs to go back on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, Melier obviously starts. So yeah, I'd go with back five: Melier, Byron, Rodon, uh, Ampadu, and and Furpo. Yeah, I agree. Kamara and Gruev. Bit of a no-brainer in the middle, obviously, if you're dropping Ampadu to centre-half and then Gray potentially won't be risked with an injury. I'd imagine so, yeah. And Gruev just needs to keep on keep on doing what he's doing, really. He's yeah. growing into the side. And then the front four, again, essentially picks itself. Perot didn't really perform against Plymouth, rather annoyingly, in that number nine position. But James potentially out for a few weeks, Anthony comes in his place, decent performance against Plymouth, 45 minutes off the bench against Norwich, so he would probably slot in on the right, Somerville on the left, Rutter and Bamford. Yeah, Nonto was a little disappointing. Needs needs a new lease of life, doesn't he? Uh, in a Potentially league. that could be one where Fark gives him almost the the, uh, the sign of confidence and, and potentially lets him go at it from the off, but given how Anthony performed, I can't see him dropping Somerville or dropping Anthony to the bench after how he uh, how he played against Plymouth. So, be an yeah. interesting one. But we'll go with that. Hopefully, Rodon's fit because he'd be a big miss if you have to play uh, Cooper and Ampadu at the back. That doesn't fill me with uh, an awful lot of uh, of hope. Um, so we'll see. Cooper Cooper is my main issue in that pairing. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you on that. A couple of quick fire questions. Um, ben asked them earlier on the day, so I said we'd get back to him. Top four predictions, quick fire. What in the in the championship? Yeah. Oof. Do you know what I, I've been been I've been getting a bit giddy recently. I knew you'd say this. Come you, on. You know, you know we've got Leicester at home. Is it is it the end of Feb or start of March? Yeah, twenty third of Feb. Yeah, you, you just you just wonder, you just wonder what where what would be what, what position we'll be in coming into that game. 
I, I still don't think Leicester. I know they're, they're nine. They what? They seven points clear at the moment. Yeah, nine points clear of us. Obviously, they've got a game in hand, but they've they've left the door open a little bit. It's a jar. It's slightly a jar, isn't it? It's slightly a jar, and if 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 teams were to behind them or to go on, you know, continue going on a good run, you know, it's only a few games that they need to slip up in, and and that that gaps, um, all of a sudden becomes a lot tighter. So. I, th- I think we'll do it. I think we'll do it. I think it'll oh. be. I think Leicester, Leicester will still come top. Yeah. And then I reckon us Southampton and then Ipswich. I'm happy you said that because I'll keep mine short and sweet. I think exactly the same. So Leicester top, Leeds second, Southampton third. As I said, still think it's demoralising for Southampton that we're still keeping pace with them. 21 unbeaten. It's not going to last forever. And Ipswich fourth. So it'll be a tough playoffs for both of them, fingers crossed. And then, last but not least, we will, of course, go with his final question, which is... I think I know what's coming here. <laughs> is the Hyundai fit for all the way <laughs> February? It's a great question. I mean, I'm really, really scared now that he's asked this question because I don't want to... I don't want it to fail or not make a game or... Yeah, I'm not even going to tempt fate, so... I'm going to say yes. I'm thankfully not doing all four. I'm certainly not doing Plymouth. I'm still tied on Swansea. I'm not sure whether I'm doing that, but I will be doing Plymouth in the league. I'm going down to Brimouth, Bristol on the, on Friday. Brimouth, that's the, that's the Bristol and Plymouth combo. So, yeah, we'll see how it holds up. Fingers crossed for another who, result. In- who, are you going with on, who are you going with on Friday? A mixed bag, really. So another lad called Billy, Connor, Doherty, Alfie Stackhouse, and Johnny Elliott's younger brother, Chris. I was just going to say, if Johnny Elliott's going, you're not going to leave him again, are you? (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, (laughs) you ditched him, left him in Bristol. (laughs) Oh, I really hope that wasn't going to be mentioned. Um, Yeah. I won't forget, Johnny, don't worry. Yeah, well, the less said on that, the better. That's uh, certainly one where I can hold my hands up because I've made a genuine general mistake. Um, I've made a genuine, yeah. genuine mistake. <laughs> but yes, I won't be doing that, thankfully. I think he's a bit scarred from that. That's why he's not coming. So um, <laughs> I won't tell him I said that, though. So yeah, no hiccups here. Quickly, score predictions before we get off. I'm Two one lead. Yeah, I'm going to go for history repeating itself. I'm going to go three one leads. Oh, come on. Fingers crossed. There we go. There we have it. Two results from myself and Adam. We're both within five points of each other still. I've got the lead, albeit a narrow one. Plenty can change, plenty of games and points still up for grabs. So let us know your score, team predictions. Hopefully we'll find out more in in Daniel Fark's presser, which will be coming up tomorrow or on Thursday at the very latest. So stay tuned. Keep listening to us. Please leave your questions as always. And thanks very much for listening. I've been Billy Lumsden. And I've been Adam Jameson. And this has been the Damned United podcast. Adios.